You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture lesson today is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over them. God performed many signs and wonders through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every summer, from the age of eight until I was in my 20s, I loved going to summer camp. It was an opportunity to experience a different day-to-day rhythm of life than my normal existence at home. In the morning, maybe I'd go to a woodworking class. In the afternoon, I'd go swim in a lake, and then maybe I'd go play archery, or I'd go do some outdoor cooking. It was a lot of fun to go to camp, but there was also some work that we had to do. You see, every morning in the schedule of camp, we had what we called cabin capers. This was the time when every camper and every counselor helped to tidy their cabin and clean the bathhouse. You had your own personal chores to do. You had to make your own bunk bed, and then you had to put your own items away. But then everyone in the cabin took a turn, and there was a cabin caper chart to tell you what your chart, what your turn that day was. Maybe your responsibility was to sweep the whole cabin. Maybe your responsibility was to check the clothesline and to make sure that anything that had fallen down on the ground got hung back up on the clothesline, and anything that was dry could come back in, and anything that was inside that needed to go out went out. It was an opportunity to be part of a community and to care for one another by caring for the space in which you were living. In the time between the end of cabin capers and the beginning of lunch, a staff person would inspect every cabin. This was the time when we made sure that there were no food crumbs, because they would bring ants and other critters, and also just make sure that everyone had taken care of all the basics of taking the wet stuff from inside and putting them out on the clothesline. I've been thinking a lot about cabin capers this week, because as I look back on my life, that was probably the most consistent time when I made my bed every morning. You see, I'm not the type of person to get out of bed and make my bed I do enjoy getting into bed with clean, fresh sheets, so I make my bed about once a week when I change the sheets. But as part of a daily practice, it's never really been that important to me in my morning routine. 
Now, many folks will sell advice and say, to improve your life, the number one thing you must do is get up early and make your bed every day. Let me be clear. Our worship series is not about some type of self-improvement plan. We're not going to have you be more productive at the end of this 11-week worship series. Instead, Liturgy of the Ordinary looks at those daily mundane practices and habits, and we look at them as an invitation to invite God into our life. So for our author, Tish Warren, she looked at the practice of making her bed. Now, she admitted that she hadn't been someone who made her bed every day either. But one year, she decided that for the season of Lent— she would add making her bed as a Lenten discipline. And before Lent began, she went on to Facebook and she took an informal survey of her Facebook friends. She was a little surprised by the results. She said, I asked people who made their bed and how often. People responded, lots of people, with surprising passion. Some made their bed daily, first thing, zealously. Some never made their bed. Some thought it was preposterous to even consider making it, while others thought not making the bed was akin to not brushing your teeth or not paying your taxes. Something disgusting, if not meriting jail time. Some made their bed erratically, maybe three out of every seven days. A shocking number made their bed at night. Some promised me that making my bed would change my life that I would become more successful, happy, and productive with a made bed. But we all know that Lenten disciplines are not intended to make us more successful and productive. Instead, the author was drawn to making her bed as a Lenten discipline because she had discovered that the first thing she was doing in the morning was picking up her phone and engaging in social media. And she realized that she was training herself to always turn to her phone in those moments of quiet. She wrote, I'd come to look for all good things to come from glowing screens. Without realizing it, I had built a habit, a habit of dreading boredom. Technology began to fill every empty moment in the day. So she decided to make the mundane practice of making her bed as an opportunity to invite God into her day, to practice some stillness, some quiet, and maybe even a moment of boredom where she wasn't being entertained. She writes, After making the bed, I would sit for a moment. I would pray for my work and family, for meetings scheduled later in that day, but mostly I'd invite God into the day, and I would just sit, silent, sort of listening, sort of just sitting, but I sat expectantly. She allowed the mundane practice of making her bed to set the tone for a day that was going to incorporate God in the quiet, still moments. She was ready to let God into the quietness. In the monotony of a daily chore like making the bed, we can center ourselves on God and our daily need for God's mercy. 
The daily habits that we practice are the ones that make our lives. They create the liturgy of our lives. Now, the author continues on by telling us that the church is to be a radically alternative people, marked by the love of the triune God in each area of life. But often we're not sure how to become this sort of alternative people. We believe deeply in the gospel. We put our hope in the resurrection. But we often feel like the way we spend our days looks very similar to our unbelieving neighbors with maybe just a bit of extra spirituality thrown in. We don't wake up daily and form a way of being in the world from scratch. And we don't think our way through every action of our day. We move in patterns that we've set over time, day by day. These habits and practices shape our lives. They shape our loves. They shape our desires and ultimately who we are and what we worship. Or as another author, Annie Dillard, once said, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. So the daily habits that we have help to cultivate who we are. For me, I've already said, making the bed was not the habit. But I did have a habit for a long time. It was the habit of taking my dog out in the morning into our backyard Now, many of you may know what that is to have to walk a dog or to let a dog out. But for me, I had to carry my dog up and down the stairs because he couldn't walk on his own the last few years of his life. And once we'd come back in, we'd then go sit on the couch and we would snuggle together. And during this time of morning snuggles on the couch, my dog Franklin and I would sit and we'd listen together to the audio devotional that I really like. It's called Pray As You Go. And I know that for some people, they'll listen to it while they're commuting, maybe they're driving or sitting on the metro. But for me, it was a time of quiet connection to God and a time of quiet connection with some of God's creation as I sat there and snuggled with Franklin. It became this daily prayer practice, and it sustained me day in and day out. And then toward the end of Franklin's life, it actually became a gift as I said goodbye to him. The day before we took him to the vet to say goodbye, I was able to sit on that couch for a long time with Franklin and thank him for being such a good companion to us, and then to pray to God, to ask for peace, and to ask for God's presence in our grief as we said goodbye to Franklin. That had become the morning liturgy that helped to shape my heart, to become more caring and compassionate towards small creatures in this world, and also to connect to God every morning. So the question is not, do we have a liturgy in our life? The question is, what kind of person is the liturgy of our life forming and shaping us to be? What are your habits cultivating in you? For those of you who are watching at home or joining us on Facebook, maybe you already have a habit of going to worship. Maybe you are very familiar with the United Methodist tradition. Or maybe this is your very first time encountering a Methodist worship service. And today's service is a little different because of our technological issues. But whenever we gather as Methodists, we follow this fourfold pattern of worship. First, we gather. 
Sometimes we gather with prayers and songs and greetings and peace. There are all sorts of ways that we gather. Then we proclaim the word. We hear the word read and proclaimed and embodied and lifted up and experienced. And then we respond. Sometimes we respond by gathering at the communion table. Other times we respond by kneeling in prayer. Sometimes we respond by giving our offering. Sometimes we respond by praying for one another. And then we are sent. We're sent out of our time of worship as people who have been transformed by God to go into a world to transform this world. This is the rhythm of life as United Methodists when we worship together. There's a lot of variety from week to week and from church to church. But this is the overarching pattern of worship for us. One of the common elements that we will encounter in worship is saying the Lord's Prayer together. There are other elements that you might find depending on what type of church you're going to. Maybe you'll say a psalm together every week. Maybe you'll sing a hymn. Maybe you'll sing a contemporary praise song. Whatever it is you encounter, it helps to form and shape you. And when I have been with humans in their transition from life in this world to life in the next, sometimes it is those old liturgies the ones that they have encountered week after week after years of worshiping. Sometimes it's those old liturgies that come up. Even after not speaking for a long time, I have heard people join me in the Lord's Prayer. I have heard their voices join in saying Psalm 23. I have heard their voices join me in singing Amazing Grace. By immersing ourselves in the liturgy, it forms and shapes us deeply. It marks us as people beloved of God. But there's nothing magical about a particular church tradition. It is simply the habit of encountering it every day, every week, every year over the course of our lives. There is no one thing that is absolutely required to encounter in the liturgy. It is just the act of consistency that is important. As time and time again, we reorient our hearts to God. Our scripture today from the book of Acts tells us about four practices of the early church. And the key to those practices is that they were practiced Every day, and not just by the leaders of the church, but by everyone who gathered. This is a time after Pentecost when Christ has been raised and when the Holy Spirit has come and the church was trying to figure out who they were in the world. And it's talking about the gatherings of God's people. It said that they were known to be devoted to four different practices. First, They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Second, devoted to fellowship. Third, devoted to the breaking of bread. And fourth, devoted to prayer. 
And God brought a spirit of awe and wonder to all of them. It was not just the leaders, but the entire group of early believers. And it was tied to the consistency of their daily practices. These four practices became the liturgy that shaped them as the early church. These four things were central to their lives. It was not that they were difficult to live out. It's not that they were magical, but it was simply the daily participation of always remembering to pray, to break bread and simple meals, to be devoted to fellowship and devoted to the apostles' teaching. It is those simple habits that build us and form us as a community as well as individual followers of Christ's. Author Kathleen Norris writes, Like liturgy, the work of cleaning draws much of its meaning and value from repetition, from the fact that it is never completed but only set aside until the next day. Both liturgy and what is euphemistically termed domestic work have an intense relationship with the present moment, a kind of faith in the present that fosters hope and makes life seem possible in the day-to-day. Daily life, dishes in the sink, children that ask the same questions and want to be told the same stories again and again and again. The long doldrums of the afternoon. These are things filled with repetition. And much of the Christian life is returning over and over again to the same work and the same habits of worship. We must contend with the same spiritual struggles again and again. The work of repentance and faith is daily and repetitive. Again and again, we repent and believe. A sign hangs on the wall in a new monastic Christian community house. Quote, everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. End quote. I was and remain a Christian who longs for revolution for things to be made new and whole and beautiful ways and big ways. But what I am slowly seeing is that you can't get to the revolution without learning to do the dishes. The kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are quiet, repetitive, and ordinary. I often want to skip the boring daily stuff to get to the thrill of an edgy faith. But it's in the dailiness of the Christian faith the making the bed, the doing the dishes, the praying for our enemies, the reading the Bible, the quiet, the small, that God's transformation takes root and grows, end quote. The crucible of our spiritual formation is in the monotony of our daily routines. Friends, God will use the dailiness of our lives to sanctify us and make us more like Jesus. If we have the eyes and the hearts to notice in the making of our beds, in the washing of our dishes, in the loving of our enemies, that God will shape us, sanctify us, and make us more like Jesus. In the tithing of our paychecks and the creation of flood buckets for disaster relief, in the showing up for church each week, in the reading of the Bible every day, in the biting of our tongues so that we do not participate in gossip, In the anonymous monotony of our daily routines, God will show up and sanctify us 
and make us more like Jesus. In the daily routines, we are being sanctified and being made holy. May it be so for me and for you, for the sake of the kingdom. Amen.